Hey church family, it is great to be with you this morning. And I hope that today's worship so far has been meaningful to you and that it has brought you into the presence of our God. Last week, John Mark began a sermon series where we will be going verse by verse through the book of Galatians. And I encourage you uh, to go back and listen to his sermon from last Sunday on our YouTube channel, as well as to listen to the follow-up podcast that he and I recorded that continues on with the rest of chapter one and, and covers the, the end of chapter one. Because we find in the book of Galatians, we find Paul's most ardent defense of the gospel. And, and this is really, really good news for us today because the gospel leads us to freedom in Christ. And so as we continue to read through this book together on Sunday mornings and uh, as we continue the conversation uh, throughout the week, we will see what that freedom means for us how it helps us to live lives that can honor God and how we can be good news and loving neighbors to those who are all around us. So at the end of chapter one, Paul has just described a little bit about his personal journey after his conversion on the road to Damascus, the story that we read about in Acts chapter uh, nine. And Paul, he received the gospel from Jesus on the road to Damascus, and, and then he had three years to learn and to grow, to reorient and change his life completely, to be focused on and, and to be around the person of Jesus. And, and that's exactly where we pick up this morning in the second chapter of the book of Galatians. And so if you would, turn with me to Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Then after 14 years, I went up to Jerusalem again with Barnabas, and I took Titus along also. I went there because of a revelation, and I laid out the gospel that I preached to the Gentiles for them. But I did it privately with the influential leaders to make sure that I wouldn't be working or that I hadn't worked for nothing. However, not even Titus, who was with me and who was a Greek, was required to be circumcised. But false brothers and sisters who were brought in secretly slipped in to spy on our freedom which we have in Christ Jesus, and to make us slaves. We didn't give in and submit to them for a single moment so that the truth of the gospel would continue to be with you. All right, let's pause right there because there is a controversy uh, that we, that we are following from chapter one into chapter two, and that this controversy is all about what the true gospel is. The question can basically be boiled down to something like this. The question becomes, how is one a follower of Jesus? How does one become a follower of Jesus? Do you first need to become a Jew in order to follow Jesus? Or does the good news of Jesus create a new covenant among the people that supersedes the Abrahamic and the Mosaic covenant? And notice what takes place with Paul's discussion with the apostles in Jerusalem. Because Paul describes this in Galatians chapter 2, and he says, uh, that he has preached, uh, what he has preached has been from God. And he comes to these apostles not because he needs their approval. He's already got that covered. Paul's authority does not come from the apostles. It does not come from human beings. It comes from God. But when Paul goes to the apostles in Galatians chapter 2, when he writes about this, he goes to them respectfully, and he presents to them in private so that he won't cause any disruptions to their gatherings and he tells them about the gospel that he has preached to the Gentiles. And at the end of it, they all agree 
that what Paul has been doing is the work of the Holy Spirit. Paul brings Titus along with him. Titus, a Gentile convert to the way of Jesus, but Titus has not converted to Judaism. And Titus is welcomed by the apostles. There's no need for his circumcision into the Abrahamic and Mosaic covenant to the Jewish people. And so after Paul presents to the apostles, he begins to face some opposition from those who have slipped in secretly to this meeting. But Paul doesn't back down. He won't submit the gospel of Jesus to the systems of these false brothers and sisters, and nor does he even submit the gospel of Jesus to the law. And, and, and church, this has massive implications. Because what Paul's doing here is he is showing us that the gospel of Jesus is not restricted by the Jewish law. The gospel of Jesus is not restricted by anything. Now, now listen closely. This doesn't give us some kind of carte blanche to do whatever we want, whenever we want. Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 6. Should we go on sinning so that grace can abound? Of course not. But what Paul is talking about here when it comes to the gospel, what Paul is ardently defending, what it means for Paul to say this in Galatians chapter 2 is that we dare not do anything to stand in the way of the gospel of Jesus, the gospel that is reaching out to all of God's beloved creation. And this is what gives the powerful nations of the world cause to fear, both then and now. And this is what gives the influential people in our society to pause. This is the kind of thing that shows the wealthy that they are not protected or secured against the gospel of Jesus because the gospel of Jesus is a level playing field for everybody. Things like wealth or status or, or power, they don't give you any kind of special advantage, not in this kingdom of God. The gospel, the gospel that Paul will not back down from, and he won't allow it to be reduced or changed. That gospel is for everybody. It's for everybody because this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, who is very much God in the flesh. You see, the gospel of Jesus changes you, but Paul will not require that you first be changed according to human standards before you can receive this gospel. The gospel of Jesus is for all. And Paul will not be deterred from preaching this gospel about Jesus to the Gentiles. And this leads us exactly into our next section of text in Galatians chapter two. So if you still got your Bibles out, feel free to follow along with me in Galatians chapter two, verses six through 10. The influential leaders didn't add anything to what I was preaching. And whatever they were makes no difference to me because God doesn't show favoritism. But on the contrary, they saw that I had been given the responsibility to preach the gospel to the people who are not circumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. The one who empowered Peter to become an apostle to the circumcised empowered me also to be one to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, and John, who are considered to be key leaders, shook hands with me and Barnabas as equals when they recognized the grace that was given to me. So it was agreed that we would go to the Gentiles while they would continue to go to the people who were circumcised. They asked only that we would remember the poor, which was certainly something I was willing 
to do. I love Paul's boldness and, in fact, his single-mindedness here. You know, normally single-mindedness is not a positive trait. But here, I think we see that Paul is completely unwavering, and he is totally dedicated to Jesus and to Jesus alone. And that's truly what the people in the churches in Galatia needed to hear and to understand. Because for Paul, nothing except the gospel of Jesus can occupy the center stage in your life. And so Paul is not concerned with playing the popularity game. Paul doesn't care about favoritism, and nor does God. Paul's primary and only concern is the certainty that the gospel of Jesus is sufficient for all to receive grace and to be adopted into the family of God once and for all. And in fact, what follows in the next several verses in Galatians chapter 2 is the acceptance of the truth of Paul's mission. The apostles confirm what Paul has already spoken, uh, that he has preached the gospel to the Gentiles. And it's true that God, of course, does not show favoritism. And so therefore, God is and always has been interested in reaching the whole world. Even if we look back into Genesis chapter 12, this is even what the Abrahamic covenant points to. Because remember, when Abraham first receives this promise from God, uh, he receives this covenant from God in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3, God says that this covenant will be so that all peoples of the earth will know the blessing of God. The Jewish people, all along, the Israelite people, they were meant to be a blessing to the rest of the world. They weren't ever meant to be a community that was shut away from the world or, or that somehow had special privilege and status before God. John writes, for God so loved the world. Paul's mission to the Gentiles is confirmed, and the message of the gospel tells us about the heart of God for all the world. In fact, the only concern that the apostles had at this, the end of this section of text in Galatians chapter 2, the only concern they have is that these new Gentile converts will not forget the poor. Again, this reminds us that God does not show favoritism, but God cares for all, including the poor and the powerless. And in fact, I think this is at the very heart of the gospel. That God's very heart is for all people. Because when we understand what sin does in our lives to trap us, to demean us, to separate us from God, we begin to see that without God, all of us, we are all poor and powerless. In fact, we have chosen to be so. But the gospel reminds us that we are loved by God. And that God was willing to give God's very life so that we could have life too. Look at what Paul says a few verses down in Galatians chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. Paul writes, I died to the law through the law so that I could live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in my body, I live by faith. Indeed, by the faithfulness of God's Son who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, our lives are no longer dictated by our faults or our failures, 
but instead our lives are completely dictated by the faithfulness of Jesus. We have gained freedom, not by our own merits, but by the gift of Jesus. And this kind of freedom leads us to an entirely new ethic. In fact, even more than that, it leads us to an entirely new way of being in the world. Because our lives are no longer our own, Paul says. They are bound up with Christ in the gift of grace that we have been set free so that we can live as God's image bearers in this world. And as image bearers of God, we live with the radical love of Jesus, both for friend and enemy alike. The apostles make sure to tell Paul, don't forget the poor. Don't let these new converts forget the poor. Because in the, in the gospel, within God's heart, all are cared for. We take care of the poor and the powerless because we know that all people, all people, regardless of their status, their gender, their skin color, or any affiliation they have, regardless of their past experiences, economic profiles, accomplishments, or lack thereof, regardless of the number in their bank account or the number of friends that they have online, regardless of who they voted for, where they live, who they know, regardless of whether they have ever stepped foot within a synagogue, a church, a mosque, or any kind of holy place, regardless of it all. They are created by God, loved by God, and valued by God. They are the person who Jesus came for. They are the person who Jesus lived for. They are the person who Jesus died for. And they are the person who Jesus rose for. Regardless of it all, the gospel of Jesus Christ is for them. And this is the kind of freedom that Paul wants us to know about. This is what the gospel is that Paul is proclaiming, that whether you are Jew or Gentile, whether you're slave or free, whether male or female, whether ancient or modern, whether rich or poor, whether American or another citizen in another part of the world, whether Democrat or Republican, whether they are like you and me or not at all, whether they know God or they don't, the gospel is for them. And it's for you too. Look at what Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. We know that a person isn't made righteous by the works of the law, but rather through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. This is why Paul is so adamant about this, because the implications of of this gospel are truly massive. They are earth-shattering, because the gospel cannot be controlled by any group. It can't be controlled by the elite or the religious or the powerful. The gospel tells us that we have been made righteous by Jesus. Jesus, who was faithful to the point of death on a cross. All of God's creation is being redeemed by God, and and no one person or group can claim that they have the way to reach God. Again, remember what John wrote in his gospel. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so today, when we read this passage in the book of Galatians, we ought to learn a couple of things from Paul's writing. First, we need to remember that the gospel is for all people. And what that means for us is that there are people right now who, just like Titus, need to learn the good news of Jesus, that Jesus is for them. 
that Jesus provides them with the gift of life and that the way of Jesus leads to the fullest and the most complete life possible. The things that we might turn to for our fulfillment in this life will always fail to deliver. Whether our fulfillment comes from money or self-image, from success, opportunity, sexuality, security, or safety, or comfort, or, or anything else that we might list, our only true freedom can be found in Christ. And when we find that freedom, it leads us to a truly fulfilled life. So first, the gospel is for all people. And second, from this passage in Galatians chapter 2, we need to remember and we need to learn that the gospel is all about Jesus. Paul is adamant all the way throughout this letter that we cannot and should not add anything to the gospel. The gospel is all about Jesus. Morality, ethics, religion, and religious customs, while they are all good, they are not the gospel. Only the story of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is capable of leading us to life. And then last for today, we must stand strong in our commitment to the gospel. Uh, the following passage in uh, chapter 2, starting in verse 11, a passage that we will cover, uh, John Mark and I, and maybe a few others on the podcast this week, describes a conflict between Paul and Peter, and even Barnabas, too. And, and this conflict is about how we ought to live because of the gospel. But Paul stands firm in his commitment that the gospel is for the Gentiles, even when Peter and others waver. Paul defends the gospel here, even at the expense of having to call out Peter, the one who Jesus said he would build the church upon. But Paul knows these first two lessons well. And Paul's conviction is so strong that the gospel is for all people and that the gospel is truly about Jesus. And so I encourage you, later on this week, we're going to be continuing the conversation about Galatians chapter 2. We're going to look at that conflict between Paul and Peter. And I encourage you to listen to the podcast and to continue to read in the book of Galatians because there is so much to learn and to glean from this book about the freedom that we have through Christ. But for now, for today, let me say this. May we be so formed and shaped by the story of Jesus that our entire lives are ordered and oriented around Jesus. And may we find freedom from all that enslaves us in this world so that we can find life and life to the fullest with our Christ and Savior Jesus. Amen. Let's continue worshiping this morning.